Welcome back to the OPEX podcast. On today's episode, I am joined once again by Dr. Jeff Trabot. On this episode, Jeff and I discuss adrenal fatigue, facts and fallacies. Guys, this is a great episode with Jeff. It's jam-packed full of information. Enjoy. Jeff, thanks so much for making time. You Ukrainian beauty, you. <laughs> still, still, I'd like to throw a little bit. Maybe there's some Russian mixed in that, but I'd like to say I'm purebred Ukrainian. Um, not even sure if that, that used to be a joke in high elementary people like you're Ukrainian. And now it, it just means you're a strong, you, we're strong people. We're strong people, yeah. Robbie. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't, would, would you, do, you th- do you think the Russians will let you in? Uh, you know what? I went, I'll tell you a funny story. Actually, there was a machine there. I'm, I'm a big into tech and I tried to go back to my homeland, maybe Ukraine or Russia. I was going to pick up this machine and I was only going to fly there for a day. And I think the customs guys were like, no, no bloody way you're flying here to pick up this weird machine. So I had to divert and go to Greece, Cyprus, go pick up this uh, piece of technology I needed for my clinic and fly back in a day. So Apparently the last name didn't mean anything and they didn't want to see my heritage back there. So whatever, right? I guess I'll I'll return. I'll make my return, Robbie. Don't worry. Triumphantly, I will make my return back to the Ukraine. What, uh, what was this mysterious machine you were getting? Was it the the DeLorean or something? Was it? I wish it was. I wish it was a time machine, but actually it was, it was a piece of bioresonance device um, that the Russians were, the Russians are really good at frequency. They Mm, always have been mm. in pulse electromagnetic fields and they built some beautiful technology over there. And way better than I, I used to go to Europe to get this, but there there was one piece of machine machinery that I wanted to, but we flew it to Cyprus anyways. Let's put it that way. And, and uh, back back we go. All right, we'll stay on point here today because I, yeah. I'm I, as my mother says that uh, my mother has that famous that you're a devil. You know, if you're we I'm can a, drift. We I'm can a, drift. A, I'm a devil for uh, for getting off point here. I, so we'll digress here. Uh, topic for today is adrenal fatigue, if there is such a thing, you know, so I kind of, you know, tongue in cheek sent you the email saying adrenal fatigue, fact or fiction or fact or fallacies. So I just want you to wrap on this topic. Um, when you hear the term adrenal fatigue, what comes to mind? And maybe kind of, again, separate what is fact from fiction. And as I said to you before we hopped online, probably a good thing to do just to lay a bit of fr- uh, groundwork for the listeners is you know what are the adrenals where are they in the body what do they do why are they important to know and then we can kind of divulge into like what's actually fact and what's actual fiction when it comes to this thing called adrenal fatigue if, if there is such a thing right so i mean this is this has been circling the circling the drain of alternative versus conventional medicine for a long period of time actually all hormones really have been circulating the drain of conventional versus alternative medicine for some time because it, in the world of endocrinology, I mean, you either have it or you don't. There's really not, there's not a gradient to say that they might be low or they might be high. It's either disease or it's not disease. So adrenal glands are, they're little endocrine glands that sit on top of the kidneys like little hats and they have two functions. One is to produce basically neurochemistry, which is adrenaline. Now that's how people know it. They say, well, the adrenal glands, I want adrenaline. And that's one function of the adrenal glands. And then there's a hormonal component of the adrenal glands that produce hormones like pregnenolone, cortisol, DHEA. And then we have some other ones like aldosterone that that really people don't know about that regulate water retention. But primarily in this discussion, we say 
you know, can you produce the, where the mix gets, everybody can produce, produce adrenaline. I mean, you drink a cup of coffee in the morning, it's a stimulant. Everybody can understand that. So they understand the component of adrenaline. They just don't understand. I think the mix gets in there when we start talking about the endocrinology aspect where we say, you know, what are the hormonal outputs of an adrenal gland? These tiny little guys that sit on top of the kidneys, do they matter? I mean, do they, do they have different times a day that they do things? And if you have them, I mean, they must work. So in medicine, I mean, the problem is cortisol is always looked at as the only adrenal hormone we're ever going to talk about. And so you can hear this. People that say adrenal fatigue are like, well, look, that's, that's very hard to have complete adrenal fatigue from a medical standpoint because it means your ass would be planted on the bed, which can happen and you'd have no cortisol. And so how you produce cortisol is you have a pituitary gland, it gets an input, pituitary glands are in your head. If you're under stress, your chemistry is gonna say to your pituitary gland, can you give me some stress hormone? If you're hurt, the same thing. It's gonna to go to your pituitary gland and say, can you produce some anti-inflammatory hormone? Both of those, stress and anti-inflammatory hormones, they have the last name cortisol. So we know that because if you have a hurt shoulder and we put an injection of cortisone into the shoulder, it's an anti-inflammatory and the pain goes away and that's looked at as a treatment. Where we kind of miss it is we say, well, if they only produce adrenaline and cortisol and you can get out of your bed and you can do stuff, then you must not have adrenal fatigue. And then... The other component is what happens, there's a catabolic portion, which means a breaking down portion of the adrenal gland, which is that cortisol. So what's the anabolic portion of the adrenal gland? And that's a little hormone called DHEA, right? So DHEA with cortisol basically is the fire. DHEA would be the water. So if you produce cortisol, you also want to produce DHEA. And DHEA is the other hormone coming out of the adrenal gland that is essentially an anti-aging anabolic hormone. That's why it's banned in Olympic sports. And it's actually, you cannot get it in Canada um, because it will not cross the border. So you cannot get cortisol either because it is a hormone that we strictly use in medicine. So to clarify, we have, we'll say we have this fight or flight part of the nervous system that's called adrenaline. And then we have a longer acting hormonal component, which is really cortisol and DHEA. So then it leads us into this discussion that we're going to have. If we can test it and you have a little bit of cortisol, you, you essentially don't have Addison's disease or true adrenal fatigue, right? That would mean you have zero, which would mean technically either something outrageous has gone on with your adrenal gland or your pituitary is just not talking to it. On the other side, medically, we'll say if you have too much cortisol, it's called Cushing's disease. Mm. And Cushing's disease, which you wouldn't be able to do just on your own with a ton of stress, you would actually have to have something that's pathologically causing your adrenal gland to secrete too much cortisol. And that's where we leave it in endocrinology. It's either none or way too much. And then we have this huge playing field which now we'll talk about that says, what happens if I stress this gland and it's unable to respond? Or what happens if I stress this gland and it doesn't ever relax? Then where does it go? Because we all know what goes up must come down. 
So if I'm going to go ahead and be under chronic mental emotional stress or chronic physical training, what does that look like at the end of the day? Because we know cortisols are very, very important. They break digestive tracts down in order to provide resources for skeletal muscles because they're basically a fight or flight hormone. If I'm going to be in a fight, I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice some resources so I can get away from that lion. So cortisol's job is, look, I'm going to raise blood sugar. I'm going to rip the digestive tract down so I can provide more resources for the brain and skeletal muscles. And then hopefully you're going to get away from that lion. You're going to go to sleep. I'm going to produce some other hormones so that I can get back to normal. When that doesn't happen, then we have dysfunction. And it's very strange in endocrinology because we talk about this and we say, well, it either has a yes or a no, right? It doesn't have a maybe. Right? There's no maybe, so there's, people get stuck in this, and it's like, well, every other hormone has a maybe. You know, either you produce too much insulin or no insulin, but then what's, like, what's insulin, what's type 2 diabetes? Right? Like, what? We have insulin. You know, you're just not responding to it. That's a maybe. You know, what happens in testosterone? Either we castrate or we have way too much testosterone. There's not low testosterone. There's no differentiation of testosterone. There's no maybe in testosterone. And so we kind of get into this discussion with adrenal glands where we say it's yes, no, maybe, no, maybe. And then we don't really then pay attention to like, what's the circadian rhythm of the hormone? If it's high all the time, is that good? Does that mean the gland is functioning? If it's not high all the time or low all the time, does that mean the gland is not functioning? And it's like, look, like everything has a rhythm and we can go ahead and strain anything. You know, if I do, if I take my right bicep and I do nothing but curls all day, every day, trust me, I still have a bicep. It still functions, but it's going to atrophy. You know, there comes a time where I cannot replace what I've broken down. And that leads us into this deep, dark world of what, how do we test these adrenal glands? What does it mean when it's high? What does it mean when it's low? And then what do I have to do to get them back to normal? so that they respond. We don't need high cortisol, we don't need low cortisol, we simply need adrenal glands that respond to stress, then they get repaired, and then they produce it. Especially for females, because everybody says, well, females don't have testicles, so they don't need adrenal glands. It's like, that's the only place they produce testosterone. I'm not sure with the female athlete, why we're not supposed to be measuring cortisols, DHEAs, and testosterone if we want to get any response, because that's really one of the only glands that's going to produce testosterone if we want a training effect. So I know everybody goes round, round, round the bend and says, well, adrenals, 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 but it's, it's a true story. You know, we know that it, even if we look in the world of detoxification, if we don't have anti-inflammatory cortisol, you know, we get into trouble. If we look in the world of immunology, if we don't have cortisol, we get into trouble. We're more susceptible to infection. If we get into the world of training, if we don't have cortisol, we degenerate our joints. You know, this is like, this is, this is easy to test now. I'm not even sure why we're still having a discussion, uh, why we're still saying, well, we only test blood cortisol. And then we do something called an ACTH test that says, well, if your pituitary is producing ACTH, which is just a, it's like a little signaler that goes and kicks the adrenal glands in the butt and says produce cortisol. And they're like, ah, see, I gave you ACTH and we can squeeze some cortisol out of your adrenal glands. So technically your adrenal glands are fine. And it's like, ah, I don't know. It's a, 
it's been a it's been a strange saga to be able to talk to convention when I lecture to conventional doctors and they're like, well, you, you don't have Cushing's or Addison's degrees. I mean, it's like, you know, are you rich or are you broke? Yeah. You know, what happened to the middle class? Like, what happened to all this space in between? And I think um, that's where it kind of lands, where, you know, we're looking at things and we're saying, if it's either got to be completely broke or normal. Mm. It's like, well, what happens if the car is just clicking? Like, why wouldn't I want to tune that thing up? But it is, it, that's kind of, you know, typically what you see across the board. And I'm, I'm not having a go conventional medicine here because uh, I've gone past that stage in my life. I always joke, you know, it's when you get into your early 20s and you start watching the Zygeist movies and, you know, uh, there's the whole Bilderberg group and, you know, the, the, the Rockefellers are ruling the world. And it's like conventional medicine, all it's just all pharmaceutical and they're just trying to kill everyone and don't eat any food. And, you know, you get all angry. And then when you get into your late 20s and 30s, you start to mellow. So I, I'm just I'm just prefacing this that, like, I'm not completely anti-conventional medicine. But it does seem to be a common trend that, you know, if you're just within this range, you're fine. So the typical one is like blood sugar, for instance, you know, you could be getting your bloods done, you know, whatever, say even if, even if you're just getting them done yearly and they were saying, geez, you're fasting glucose. It's, it's going up literally for the last five years, but you still haven't gone over the threshold of being diabetic. So you're grand. Do you know what I mean? As you said, so they kind of wait till things are completely just broken. So it seems to be the same case too, then with, uh, with the adrenals, it's either like, you know, do you have Addison's or do you have cushions? You know, are you not like, are you not producing any or are you completely overproducing? And then if it's anything in between, they don't seem to want to know about it. In, in regards then to testing, Jeff, I, I previously have done functional diagnostic nutrition and I've done some stuff with Functional Medicine University. And I think, I don't know if we spoke about this online in our last conversation. We might have spoke about it offline. Again, kind of, I kind of alluded to they're going through transition as a person myself, you know, saying, you know, in your early 20s, you learn all this stuff and you're getting angry. I said, you mellow out. And kind of, I had, I've had a similar sort of journey with functional medicine that when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, I'll learn all these labs and I'll be the man. Like, you know, I'll be a strength and conditioning coach and, you know, I'm a neuromuscular therapist and now I'll have this functional medicine branch. And as I got older, I started to appreciate why my friends who were in conventional medicine, I started to appreciate why they actually got angry yeah. <laughs> at, like, at like trainers who, who were doing functional medicine because it was essentially like putting a gun in a baby's hand because like they think, oh, I know all this functional, I know these functional medicine tests. And then it's like, they've no clue about like, just basic physiology. Do you know what I mean? And, and they, they were just taught like these three or four tests and then these like completely just, you know uh, cookie cutter supplement protocols to sell a shitload of supplements so i kind of like got a bit you know like disillusioned i was like you know what? i can actually see where my conventional doctor friends are coming from here you know they're in their mind they're like listen we're, we're going to school for like almost 10 years and and we don't know this stuff and you're here telling us you did a six-month course in these functional lab tests and that you know what's going on with this person in terms of their adrenals or you know whatever else they've got this good bacteria and i'm not saying that that stuff isn't useful or helpful what i'm trying to say is though like you get because this was me i was like oh i know more now than doctors you know what i mean that's just like right. no you don't you're you're dangerous that's what you are right now you're dangerous yeah you're dangerous and the and you know the, and the again it's it's a little different because when we when we talk about physical training we're like oh okay like everything is individual so i'll know how to move a deltoid and i'll train your deltoid and that doesn't really work with hormones mm. You know, people are like, I'll treat the adrenal glands. It's like, well, okay, well, you'll probably screw up 
the HPA access, right? You're going to, if you just go on and, and I've seen people, it's like, well, I'm just going to take a shit ton of hormone and cycle. Like, oh, we'll see where that goes. You know, like there, you're, 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 you're not, it's like a spider's web. You're pulling on one piece of it and the whole thing's going to move. And so we always say, well, if, you know, there's no sense in balancing, I'll just go ahead and add more money into the system, right? I'll take a ton of pregnenolone, a ton of DHEA, and, and we just have no idea that, or, you know, if we're not testing, we don't know, then it's like, well, you just made a ton of estrogen out of that. And instead of like, we're going to backfill your cortisol, just give you a bunch of adrenal supplementation. And it's like, well, what if the cortisol was high? Because yeah. everybody's giving adrenal supplementation, right? It's like, well, I'm just going to give you a ton of adrenal supplementation. It's like, well, why would you put more gas in the car when it's driving that fast? Like, well, why would you want to keep driving it to the point? Because if you keep doing that, invariably, you're going to burn a nervous system out. And training, I see it all the time. You know, that's true story. When CrossFit started, I mean, this was a million years ago again. There was a, I was in Calgary at the time, had a huge Canadian practice, and I saw a bunch of athletes. And, and James was just getting into CrossFit uh, at that time. And I said, you know, I wonder what this is going to, wonder where this is going to go, this, this ballistic movement, you know, this high lactate movement. Uh, and it's not to say it's bad. I'm just saying, you know, I'm curious. I'm curious by nature. I want to see, I want to see what the physiological effect of this is because it looks pretty badass, right? Like this, this doesn't look like we're touching our toes. I mean, I'm watching these two a day workouts and I'm like that, that, you know, this is, this is like taking a greyhound and running it as fast as you can around the track, you know, chasing the rabbit. And it's like, when does it stop? Mm. And so we kind of, we got this company to do salivary hormone tests. And it wasn't like a, just a normal cortisol. I was like, okay, well, what happens? Because when you train, you want to get an increase in cortisol. If you don't get an increase in cortisol, there's no sense in training because you're not going to respond to that. You know, that's the normal response. You're trying to get an increase in training. And I took all these athletes that were CrossFitish, I guess we'll say, and I measured all of them. And I'm going to say 70% of them couldn't respond to that exercise. And this wasn't CrossFit that was doing it. These were these athletes that would pick CrossFit to kind of say, I need to do the latest, greatest thing, right? I'm already, I'm kind of maxed out on whatever training I'm going to do. And I want to go do something completely ballistic to, to just destroy myself so that I can, I can feel good about the day. And we saw that, you know, that, look, there wasn't a great response to ballistic training unless you knew what you were doing. Right. And, and I think I did probably 50, 60 tests and I only measured salivary cortisol's response at, we'll say, you know, first thing in the morning, then they did exercise and I measured the response and then I measured DHEA and we looked at it and we're like, wow, you know, these, these aren't 60 year old people. Like these are, these are 20 year olds. And we really saw a lot of adrenal dysfunction just from training. The diet was, I mean, you know, these, right. You know, these people, the diet's good right? The diet looks good. I mean, they're going to sleep when the sun goes down. I mean, we had all kinds of good stuff on pieces of paper. But if you didn't check physiology, you really didn't have an idea what you're doing. And if you were taking all these supplements, and you still didn't check physiology, you still didn't know what you were doing. And I think that's, you know, back to your point of saying, you know, what, can we just load everybody with this stuff? You know, are we not to test it? Are we not to test it because we're not doctor? Doctors don't test it, right? They're just like, you come in, you're tired. They say, you might be depressed. Here's an antidepressant. Or you might be tired. And it's like, it's always dumbfounding to me because I, you know, I get lots of referrals from doctors and they look at these, they look at these people and they look like Adonis's, right? They're, they, and they say, on paper, I mean, they're like, doc, on paper, this, there's nothing that I can suggest to this person. 
right? I'm looking at their diet. It's, it's, it's good. Their sleep, their lifestyle, air, water intake, everything looks good. But this person really cannot function, you know, in life. And I say, well, here's what you want to do. You want to go ahead and dip into endocrinology. And then they say, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that's an endocrinologist job. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go ahead. Here's what's going to happen. And we do a test. So there's tests, right? Blood tests for cortisol are useless. You have to be really, really down the road if you want to get a low blood cortisol because cortisol is supposed to be high first thing in the morning. And then it's supposed to get lower as the day goes along. So measuring a one-point hormone um, for that for that gland with cortisol doesn't tell you much. You can wake up in the morning. You can get out of bed. You might be able to shuff around for the first hour, and then you are in bed for the next 23. I promise you, you still might be able to produce something when I do that blood test in that first hour. Mm. But it is not reflective of 90% of the day. You know, and it, just, it was a weird thing to look at. Is it bound to, is it more bound to blood, blood cortisol? Well, the thing, cortisol will really start coming up at three o'clock in the morning. So the first thing people are like, look, I wake up from two to four in the morning. I poke my head out of the gopher hole and I go to bed. You know, I can go back to bed. That's the first sign that the cortisol is on its way up and then it's going to crash down hard. Just like blood sugars. You know, I eat something, I come up, I come down. That's mm. just like cortisol. And it goes from three to four to five to six, and then it's supposed to stay high, and then it's supposed to come down lower during the day because cortisol inhibits metabolism. It also isn't that great for testosterone. So when you get up in the morning as a caveman, you're supposed to be freaked out. You're supposed to get God, like, what am I gonna do today to stay alive? Mm. And then as you kind of get your day done, that cortisol is gonna drop down, and it needs to drop down because thyroid hormone elevates later in the day, and it's supposed to be your main metabolic gland. And if cortisol is still around when thyroid is around, thyroid hormone will not work because cortisol is king. Cortisol will be testosterone. Cortisol will be thyroid hormone. Cortisol will be insulin. Cortisol will be anything, any time of the day because it is the main hormone for survival and your whole goal is survival. So if you train, I always say, you know, people say, well, what's the best time for me to train? And I'll say the morning because you have cortisol and testosterone. A lot of people socially, that's not okay. So they'll train right after work, right at about, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night, they'll do this huge lactate load and they'll have these cortisol levels that extend way into the evening. And the problem is, again, growth hormone is really produced from, we'll say, midnight to 2 a.m. and we'll miss that. So we're, we're, we're separating. Cortisol will just trump every other hormone that we have. And sooner or later, when we don't get these other hormones kind of in sync, all we have is cortisol. And when that cortisol runs out, then we don't have cortisol. And then all we have is adrenaline. And when the adrenaline runs out because you're hitting the monsters and you're hitting the caffeine, then we have nothing. And that's when they end up on my table or in these chairs and we'll say, that is not adrenal fatigue because medically you didn't have a disease. Yeah functionally you broke that thing down so well it's just it's terminology is a bad thing in medicine because it's it's textbook we call it school medicine you know that's not like it's it has nothing to do except belong in textbooks just going back then to the testing so we have blood urine and saliva can you maybe just give the listeners a bit of a breakdown of each one and the pros and cons of each one 
So blood is only one point testing, like I said. It's, it's pretty bound up. It's in the bloodstream. We only have five liters of blood. So to be able to test anything in the bloodstream is only really production. Mm. You know, can you do it at this time? It doesn't really relate to what your cells are doing and it doesn't relate to what's in your tissue. You know, when, and medically, I mean, we like to just pick these certain tests and roll with them. We, you know, perfect example is cholesterol and heart disease. We like to roll with that. And after like 50 years of not, you know, not being able to decrease heart disease, we'll still stick with that model. And blood, blood work is like, you can have stage four anything and your blood work can still look quite normal. And in the world of hormones, again, it's not, it's not a great way to measure it because it doesn't measure what's getting into the cell and you have no, you know, the, the beauty of hormones is to know what they're doing for the entire day, not necessarily what they're doing at one time. Who cares, right? You, the boogeyman jumps out at me. I get scared. You do my blood work. I'm probably going to crank something out, right? I'm probably going to be able to crank some hormone out. So then it would be in the normal ranges, but it won't reflect the rest of the day. Saliva is pretty good. You know, I like saliva. So it used to be the only thing available because it'll actually give you what's in the tissue, you know, in a certain sense. And you can do normally a salivary cortisol. You'll go through what the what the variation through the day is. So you'll do a first morning cortisol, noon, 4 p.m. before you go to bed. Pretty good in the tissue. Urine, you know, which is the most expensive, but probably one of the better ways or the best way to do it because you get metabolites too. You get to see, hey, not I don't want to see what's only in the tissue. I want to see what I use during the day and what I excrete it. Mm. So it's a pretty decent way because sometimes you have a lot of hormone in the system, like with the salivary test, but you can't use any and then comes up. And so it's like, okay, it tells me it's there, but it didn't necessarily tell me what I spent during the day. Yeah. yeah. And so I would say blood work is kind of useless um, for this, right? For cortisols. I think it's interesting sometimes. I'll measure some people's cortisol and they'll be low and it's cheap. It's easy to do. But really, if you want to have a, a good look at it, you'll go to saliva or urine. Mm. And maybe then I know that when I used to do some of the saliva tests, adrenal stress index, we used to have these three phases of adrenal dysfunction, they'd call it, you know, so you were overproducing it, then you were producing a sufficient amount, but the rhythm of it was all wrong and they were calling that phase two. And then phase three was when like you were just tanking out. Now, again, I don't know how much stock you, you put in, put into that sort of uh, categorizations. Um, and then also there was always the DHA, DHEA to cortisol ratio was a big thing too. And then they'd often look at the other hormones, the estrogen, testosterone, and melatonin. So just regards to the, the salivary testing there and the four points over the course of the day, could you maybe just, uh, you know, elucidate the listeners to that? Yeah. So again, the cortisol is supposed to be highest in the morning and then go down during the day. And so the good thing, you know, when they put these things into four quadrants, right? So they said, hey, quadrant one is a normal response. Cortisol goes up, DHEA. Remember, cortisol is the gas pedal, DHEA is the brake, right? Cortisol break things down, DHEA will build things back up. Mm. So as we kind of go through these functions and we say, if I continue to break something down, obviously this phase two would then be cortisol goes up and DHEA says, wait a second, like I'm going to have to spring into action here because the lion's jumping out a little bit too much. So now DHEA comes up. All of a sudden then phase three ends up being cortisol stays high for so long, you know, for a longer period of time because I'm intensely training or I have lots of stress or I'm going through a divorce or whatever you want to pick. I have a chronic illness. 
and DHEA can't stay in the race. Mm. Like, so your body has to say, we have to make a decision here. This guy is still in trouble. So we're going to keep running cortisol and we're going to have to get rid of these anabolic hormones because we don't have enough resource to feed everybody. So we're going to keep, keep with this, um, keep with these anti-inflammatory hormones. And then the fourth stage is like the, the race is done, you know, endocrinology wise, you just, you can't keep up with it. There's, it's not an infinite resource, you know, and when we're young, again, everybody going through puberty understands you have more hormone. And then after that, you know, it, it gets budgeted pretty good. And, yeah. and by the time you hit stage four, I don't necessarily like to put people in there. I like to look at the numbers a little bit more because the numbers, you know, that's based on kind of total values, you know, the sum of totals yeah. in there. And if you have, you can have normal quadrant testing, but have this huge elevation of cortisol before you go to bed. And I'd yeah. say that's way more dysfunction than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, people that want to do, they just want like, I want to do adrenal support, adrenal support, adrenal support. If the person has high cortisol and high DHEA, you know, you have to actually decrease what's happening in the adrenal gland. You might have to treat the nervous system, or you might just have to have a flat out talk with that person. You don't want to add gas onto the fire and say, I'm going to keep driving this thing. And I think that's, you know, anytime you train, you're going to get a cortisol response. If you train hard, you're going to get a bigger cortisol response. For females, if you train on your cycle, you're not going to get DHEA. You're not going to get, so you can put yourself in, we'll say, a hypercortisol state pretty easily. It's trying to get out of that cortisol state fast enough where you don't tire out that gland to the point that it can't produce cortisol. Because everybody says, well, high cortisol, I'm like, high cortisol is still way better than no cortisol. Yeah. It's just not great for training because you never get to get metabolism and you don't build any muscle mass with high mm -hmm. cortisol. Your body says, I'm freaking out here. Muscle isn't the greatest source of energy, so I'm just going to start depositing fat. Because if, like, if this guy is that concerned and running away from a lion all of a sudden and then runs into this protein bar, I would rather just put that in the stores for later. So cortisol then will say, well, let's go ahead and deposit fat the best place to deposit fat is around the midsection because it's the hardest to get at. So in order, when we're starting this, when we're looking at these clients, we'll say, and we say like, how are we going to lose weight? Or if I'm doing this workout and it's not translating to something, then unfortunately, yeah, you have to look at the hormones. You know, if it's, it's, it's past dietary at that point, you know, I always say, is it external or internal? And if you don't, if you're not getting effects from something, then we'll look at endocrinology and we'll pick thyroids, adrenal glands, and reproductive organs, and we'll have to look at all those. So when we're having these conversations, you know, and we're saying, we're kind of getting this, we're looking at these monotherapies saying, I'm only going to look at adrenal glands. It's mm. like, you know, danger, you know, danger. And I think, again, that's where in the world of conventional versus alternative medicine, we're doing conventional medicine if we only look at adrenal hormone because we're specializing yeah. we're only specializing something just you know we've had this conversation on our previous podcast and it's something that myself and james have often spoke about and it's not, it's not even just limited to conversations that me and james have um or what we spoke about um on our previous podcast but again like and i suppose you know this kind of comes up nearly in every podcast nowadays, it seems when I'm speaking with other practitioners and coaches within sort of the sports performance field and then the sort of health 
and you know health wellness longevity field so some people might roll their eyes and go oh, he's going to talk about this again but you know that's the, the sort of difference between again between performance and health and where i'm getting to this is where i'm going with this jeff is like when you saw those you know adrenal stress indexes from these crossfitters like my sort of first thought is like yeah like that's kind of what i expect i'd expect that's normal hormone, i'd expect their hormones to be all over the place because look what they're that's doing right. you got to you yeah. know to people people say well it's so bad you know their adrenal glands i'm like look like you, you i've seen small businesses that have to take out a business loan you know to get to the point that they're supposed to that's like what do, you, what, do you, what do you want this to be you think it's going to be normal and that's you know that's the most irritating thing that sometimes i'll see is I'll get these people and they'll say like, look, their adrenal glands are normal. I'm like, their itch, their cortisol should be shit high. You know, mm -hmm. if they could respond appropriately, don't tell me what they look like. Right. Cause this does not, for me, it's like, does it match the violence? Yes, right. Like, yes. like, do you match the intensity of what you're doing? If you are an athlete and you are training and you're trying to get to this performance goal and you show me, you know, a normal circadian rhythm of cortisol, I'm going to tell you that's just like adrenal insufficiency yeah. because you couldn't match the intensity. And when I was testing, that's why I said, I don't care about first morning cortisol. I want to see the cortisol after they train because mm. everybody's like, look at my morning cortisol. I'm like, who gives a shit about your morning cortisol? Show me that you can produce it when you need to. And that was the problem. When there was a stimulus, they couldn't get the response. Yeah. And so people show me these beautiful levels of cortisol. And I'm like, well, when did you train? I trained at 11 o'clock. I'm like, well, where's the response? When the organ can't respond, you know you're on your downhill slope. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's, you always have to look and say, if I'm sitting on the beach, I'll give you a normal cortisol curve. If I'm training, I wanna, I'm going to have to put the hormones into flux. I simply want to ensure that they're responding the way that they should. If you train and you don't have cortisol, it's going to be real or you don't have a cortisol elevation, either like you're Yoda or like you are, there is something that's not responding to the stimulus that you're creating. And in order for you to get the response or the result or the gold ribbon at the end of it, you're going to need to have that to respond. And oftentimes those have been burnt out. Yeah. Right. To the point that, hey, you can give me a little bit, but you can't give me what it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And then they keep pushing, 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 pushing. And then sooner or later, they're like, see, you have adrenal insufficiency. And I'm like, they had it a year ago when they couldn't respond. Yeah. You know, you just kept whipping the horse and you knew that it couldn't respond. So, I mean, testing is all in the eyes of the beholder. Right. If you test something, you expect to see, you know, a response to what you're testing. If you're testing athletes. And you don't see high cortisol levels, you got a problem with the athlete. Yeah. They're not able to respond to the treatment or the training. Just for some of the coaches listening to this to to again, maybe I suppose sharpen their eye and um, for when they're observing their athletes, you know, over a certain period of time, you know, to see sort of a trend to their adaptation. So maybe maybe pick up an early signs that there might be something going on here with the HPA axis and you know, they this athlete may be shown adrenal um a, a deficiency with regards to the function of their adrenal glands kind of the the, the typical profile i've seen I, I have seen over the years is that at least they sort of self-meditate or sorry self-medicate not meditate self-medicate with exercise in that they come in and they're tired and they're kind of you know they're they're slow to get going and 
you know, it's a warm day, but yet they have a top on. They're cold, yeah. you know, and they're they're there with their coffee. They're not that hungry initially in the morning. They're not their sleep's not great. They're a bit grouchy. Then they get into their session and they get going and they get going and they get going. And then after the session, they're the nicest person in the world. Yeah. They're on a high everything's great and then if you were to meet them maybe two three four hours later they're kind of tired again <laughs> so yeah. ba- basically they're kind of like the crack at it getting their bit of hit you know what i mean and oh my question to you here is is that a, is that a is that a sort of a sign a coach should be looking out for in terms of an athlete that could be starting to present or already is in the midst of some hba access dysfunction well when you have to when you have to start using exercise as a stimulant you know, when that, when it truly becomes a stimulant, because everybody's like, we produce endorphins when we exercise. I'm like, yeah, that, that's great. Like, that's when people feel good all day. Yeah. Like when you wake up in the morning, you're just like, I'm just going to go put on my, you know, spandex. I'm going to have to go and I'm just going to have to put myself through the ringer Yeah. to get two hours out of this. Um, that's when, you know, you know, you know that there's, there has to be this external stimulation and it's not a walk, you know, it's not increasing circulation. And again, one of the, one of the telltale signs is if that, if that person starts to roll around at two to 4 AM, I know already. And then I'll always, you know, for just a check, if you exercise and your temperature goes down post-exercise. So if you do your temperature orally Mm. before you exercise, and then you do it right after you exercise and your temperature went down, you're on the way down. Um, That means that something went wrong. You didn't respond that well. That's the little things I like to do. You didn't respond that well. And if, you know, another thing, they can go get a glucometer. And if their first morning uh, glucoses are like over 80, and you'll see athletes where their first morning glucoses are like 97, 100. And that means cortisol has been spilling all morning. Yeah. And that's kind of where you get into it, you know, and you can, you can see these signs. Because like you said, the person will say, I feel so good after I exercise. And it's like, no, 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 no. You need to exercise to feel good. Yeah. Right. Those are... Two different statements that you tell me, you know, because either exercise make exercise makes you feel good, or you need to exercise to feel good, mm-hmm. right? Those are we're in two different spectrums there, and I think that's easy. You can see them, and you can see people come in, and then they like they need to jazz themselves up, right? All of a sudden, the, the pre workout comes. I love pre workouts, right? It just basically means I'm gonna go ahead and hit some caffeine, and then I'm gonna stack. I'm going to stack it. I'm going to do some intense exercise. And then at the end of it, I'm just probably going to pass out around 7 p.m. I'm barely going to know my kids' names. And then I'm going to repeat the cycle all over again. And you just know the hormones were unsustainable. Adrenaline, again, that's adrenaline. Your body can produce adrenaline pretty much, pretty easily. Mm. You know, you go to sleep the next day again. If you need to, you can give me 15 minutes of it. Um, but hormones are like, can you sustain energy? Can you sustain rhythm? Can you sustain mood? Can you sustain response? Can you sustain sleep? Those are hormones. They're longer animals. They're yeah. just supposed to take you through a process. So kind of just wrapping up here, um, say that, you know, there's people listening to this and just for convenience for a conversation here say they're 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 people either who are competitive athletes or they're very competitive or they're just people who take their fitness very serious serious to a point where they they're not actually doing it for health wellness longevity that they do it because they like to be competitive so just, 
Yeah, right. let's just, we'll just say we're talking about performance-based athletes here. So people who know, who are listening to this, who know, listen, I know what I'm doing right now um, is not ideal for health and longevity. I'm aware of the trade-off here. I'm, I'm purely doing this for a performance goal. For these individuals, right, let's say they come to you and say, listen, I, I understand what I'm doing isn't great for health and longevity, but how can I, over the course of my season, diminish the detriments of my sport so what i'm getting at here is would you recommend that in the off season that these athletes do some type of protocol where it's just basic lifestyle guidelines like listen you just got to take time off training get in rhythm with the, the sun rise and the sunset drink water walk just get your get, get like more treatment done in your body chill out like to, to kind of want to try and like almost reset or kind of nearly take a chunk of the year where now your goal actually is health and longevity. You know what I'm saying? Before you right. go back again to your competitive sport and make the trade-off again, like, do you recommend that there is that period and if, if an athlete has a true off-season where you would actually do that with them? You know, you maybe test them and say, right, let's see if we can just work a little bit on health and longevity here and then go back to where we have to, you yeah, know. Yeah, performance. I don't think it's like people are like, oh, this this is terrible. I'm like, no, these are goals. You know, this is performance. People want to do this, but I wouldn't do it blindly. You know, for anybody that's in the corporate world, like we all understand this. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just different. People in the corporate world, people that are training and people that are training in the corporate world. It's like, hey, we're, we're all intelligent individuals. We understand that we might be spending more than we're putting back. And when we do it for 12 months, I'm all with you. But if you don't look under the hood and you're not sure what you're doing, pretty sure, you know, it's going to come to a, it's going to come to some kind of an interesting end. I'm good. You know, people say, do I need to take time off? I'm like, you just need to show me that you don't need to take time off or else we need to make adjustments. But every individual, you know, you get mitochondrial support from your mom. You know, this is kind of female genetics. They're, they're way smarter than male genetics. And you kind of, you just get these things and it's like some, some Ukrainians, they can just go without any breaks of anything. And that's, some can't. And so if you never look at this, you know, you never see where you are. It's really hard, you know, because some people will say, I can't stop because I won't be able to start again. Mm. And I'm like, well, therein lies the problem, but I get it. Right. I get it. I understand. You don't want to take an off season because you don't want to lose gains. Maybe that's psychological, but there's a lot of times where, like you said, physiology and their job depends on them stimulating with training. You know, they, they have to put these things together into this big hot mess to be successful. And nobody takes weekends off. Nobody takes off seasons. And, and they try to do this thing because I see it where they start to adjust and they say, I'm going to go to sleep at nine. I'm going to wear my um, I'm going to wear my yellow glasses and put my iPads away. And I'm like, why don't you just freaking do the test? And I'm like, what? like all these things that we're doing, like, why don't you just do the test and talk to somebody and see where you are at individually? Because we can, I'll show you some animals that, man, I've tested some people where I'm like, dude, I guess you can just keep going where you're going um, because it doesn't look like you're fatiguing, but then we still put things in for the nervous system where we make sure that we can keep going. Because inevitably, if you're spending it and you're getting older, I don't know anybody that isn't. Like as the older you kind of go, even years, and the more time under stress you have, that's the key factor. The more time under stress or intensity you have and you're not paying attention to it, it's like spending money and never looking at your bank account. You're hoping it's there, but sooner or later, it's going to come back declined. And I think that's the sad thing about trying, you know, training is that we view it, as you said, and nobody likes to talk about it, as purely healthy. 
whatever we're doing training, we're building, right? I'm just building physiology. I'm building muscle. I'm building lean body mass. You know, I'm building all these wonderful hormones. And it's like, no, you're not. No, you're spending to build. Yeah. But if you don't have it to spend, you're not like if you make the investment and you don't get the return, pretty soon it's going to crash down to earth. And there's no dietary things because people then go to, I'm going to reduce sugars. Okay, well, that's great for the adrenal gland. But if you have no carbohydrate coming in there, here's the worst thing. I see people, I'm going to do intense training and I'm going to be keto and I'm going to do two a days. And I'm like, let, let me, I don't even have to test to tell you where you're going to come to you know, in the end of it, I think those all sound like great things. And I'm not against any of them. But from a physiological standpoint, you are spending three different entry points grinding it. And I'm personally just curious which one will take you down, mm. right? Like I'm, I'm always, I'm always on the, I'm always in the uh, supporting group of my clients and patients saying, I, I'm, like, I'm as interested as you are to see where you can come with that. Like, but I'm not ignorant to it. You know, if you decide that you want to do that and you're just going to do it blindly and think that you can dietarily modify it and you can just use training and diet to go through and get performance to a certain point, I think you can. But the performance that we're talking about, you know, in the, we'll say the late living style that we're talking about, it's, it's really, really hard endocrinology because your body is spending so much just dealing with the environment and chemicals now and constant stress and electromagnetic fields that I'm like, I don't, I don't know that there's going to be a ton left, but like I said, interesting human experiment. If we don't want to say that it exists, then we're really seeing chronic disease later. You know, I think it was the, the latest stats came out and it was like 60% of Americans. And I'm not saying that that's athletes, but it could be right. 60% of that of Americans have one or more chronic disease now. And it's like, how do you, you know, can we blame that all on diet? That's hard. You know, that's, that's hard to blame everything on diet because I think there's some people that are doing some pretty good things with diet, but chronic disease doesn't matter what it is. I've seen athletes put themselves into diabetes. I've seen athletes put themselves into immune deficiency. Mm -hmm. I've seen athletes, lots of them, put themselves into, we'll say fatigue, chronic fatigue. And its ability, like, we just know that in this timeline that we looked at, we weren't looking at the animal to see how they responded to what they were doing. Who cares what they have? Like, medicine is just saying you have it or you don't. I'm saying, can the person, is the person responding to it? And where are we watching these trends to see where they end up? And then... Do we want them to end up into medicine before we say it's a real thing? I don't think so because it's really hard once they get into that to get out of medicine. You know, once you get into medicine, you never want to be into medicine. Like who wants to be into medicine? You show me a bunch of ultra marathoners, I'll show you a bunch of heart attacks, right? And, and medically we'd say, that is impossible. They were doing so much aerobic activity. And I'm like, well, you know, it's a real thing. You know, it kind of exists. So Athletes can get themselves into the medical system. People that train hard can get themselves into the medical system really easy. And that is the breakdown of adrenal function and endocrinology. Mm, great stuff. So summarize, we, we went through what are the adrenal glands. We went through some of the testing and then we spoke about, you know, the adrenals when it comes to performance versus health. So they're kind of the three main areas we covered. Is there anything else that I haven't asked that you'd like to cover before we wrap up? 
Well, I mean, treatment, treatment still is, is the issue, right? I mean, because we all know that there is some adrenal stress. I mean, we all know that there's going to be some tax, just like I owe, if we go ahead and, and test tap water, we know there's a bunch of shit in it, right? Like it's, it's impossible for us now to say there isn't, right? We can, we can do these tests. It's like, how do we treat it? And, you know, in order to treat it, you know, we need to know what caused it, number one. But again, individually, what is the person doing to get themselves out of the situation? Because lifestyle stuff is okay. Um, but the treatment of it, which is like going to Whole Foods and picking up a bunch of hormone is an interesting thing. Going to Whole Foods or one of those health food stores or Amazon and picking up a bunch of adrenal supplements is an interesting thing. Because you just might be pushing on something you don't want to push on. And especially for females, males are pretty dumb. You know, we got testosterone and adrenal hormone, and sometimes we need some uh, thyroid hormone. But females, I mean, that menstrual cycle, especially with infertility in athletes, I mean, that's an interesting one. Um, female, training on your menstrual cycle, that's interesting for adrenal support, and that's something we'll cover later. Um, but, but the treatment of it is like, do not treat until you know what you're treating. I guess that would be my, because you can further, like I said, you pull on one end of that spider web, the whole web is bending. And it's not like taking vitamin B is a bad thing. Taking vitamin B can be used for a lot of things. But once you start to get into the adaptogens, right? Once you start to get into the herbs, and then when you step over into the hormones, now you're playing with something that maybe you don't want to play with. And that drives endocrinologists crazy. And I can get it. Like, I understand that. I understand it. Yeah, that, that's where I was coming from earlier on. I was saying, you know, I have friends who are, you know, who are conventional medical doctors. And, and that's kind of where they would come back and rebuttal and say, listen, like, there's, you know, there's, there's people studying this stuff 10 years, like, and then you're telling me you've done this fucking six-month functional medicine course. And you're telling me, you know, everything about adrenals now. And, you know, at the time, like, you know, you were like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just all in the conventional medicine model with all the, or medical model with all the pharmaceutical companies. You're in bed with them. And I know what I'm doing. They just seem to That's a weird thing because they're like, they're like, do not give DHEA. You shouldn't give any hormone. I'm like, how many prescriptions of birth control pills did you hand out today? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're so concerned with it, right? Like you, you cannot hand out birth control pills then. Like if you're so concerned with them going and getting a pre-hormone, like pregnenolone or DHEA, and you're handing out birth control pills like chiclets, like you're, you're doing the same thing, right? You're, you're, su you're suppressing hormones. These people are trying to build them up. So we're all in this learning process. Exactly, yeah. We're trying, we're all in the learning process, but it's, it's not religion, it's individualization. And so that's where we're trying to figure out with everybody. Yeah, big time. Jeff, where can the listeners find out more about you and what you have to offer and, and whatnot? Well, I think we're building, uh, like I talked to you before, I think because we have this, this issue with, you know, coaches wanting more information and people wanting more information. So I think there's going to be a, a landing page that lives on the OPEX website that mm. is, is pretty much a direct link on how to, how to get a half an hour consultation with me. And, and we do some Instagram. So if you want to, you know, ask me some questions on Instagram or if I, I don't, we don't do much Instagramming yet as per se. I like <laughs> I like to go, I still like to chit chat, you know, I don't chit chatting to iPhones are kind of a funny thing, but yeah, I'm getting yeah. hip. I'm getting hip with it. 
Robbie, but uh, it'll live on the OPEC. I'm sure it'll go on. We'll just put a link on and I'll have that done in the next couple of weeks. We'll put a link on it and then uh, it's just education and, and investigation. That's pretty much what we're going to do. Absolutely. Love it. Listen, appreciate your time. Say goodbye to you offline. So for all the listeners, that was Adrenal Fatigue covered with Dr. Jeff Trabot. Um, the, the, the Ukrainian beauty, as I like to call him today. <laughs> Ukrainian but, beauty. Ukrainian beauty. I love it. Uh, but for all the listeners, I appreciate your earbuds. And if you think anyone would benefit from this information, definitely share it around. Until next time, guys. Peace. Bye-bye.